0: Hello and welcome everyone to the new episode of India Colonized, a weekly podcast where we explore a society through the lenses of our colonial past and what remains of it in today's world. I am your host Omar Haq, and today we have with us Radhika Chauhan as our co-host. India was a barely communal space until the 1860s. And the revolt of 1857 was an example of how Hindus and Muslims, both of them had fought together against the British shoulder to shoulder across the plains of North India. Um, Even the press until 1860s emphasized on the identity of the people as Hindustanis versus European or British rather than the idea of dividing them On the basis of communal identity.
1: Now the early or the initial classification of the community's identity based on their religion came only when Muslim intellectuals began to point out that the Muslims were lagging behind the Hindus in getting modern education and government jobs as they. But even here they were not quick to blame the entirely the Hindus but the government instead for their neglect of Muslims and their anti-Muslim policies. They even started blaming the upper class Muslims and their negligence towards not providing the other fellow Muslims the modern education.
0: Yeah, I mean, a good example for this would be um, Sayyid Ahmad Khan, Sir Sayyid Ahmad Khan, who um, is known to be an outstanding champion for social and educational reforms within the Muslim community. Um, He... Actively preached the idea of Hindu-Muslim unity, and um, whenever these reforms that he carried out, both social and educational, these reforms came without a sense of bias. They uh, they were never particularly meant for any single particular community, but at the same time, others were not stopped from deriving benefits from it. Um, also, a lot of monetary support that came for his cause, like the uh, cause for his university, for building his university, the anglo mohammedan University. Uh, much of the money or the monetary help came from Hindus and Muslims alike. Uh, also, the faculty, the students and the people who not only contributed to the university, but people who also derived from the benefits of this uh, of this venture of Sir Sayyid Ahmad Khan, where both uh, also had a sizable population of Hindus between them.
1: Right. And just like other Muslim leaders, for example, Iqbal, Sayyid Ahmad Khan preached the idea of one nation. For example, in 1884, where he says, and I would quote, do you not inhabit this land? Are you not buried in it or cremated on it? Surely you live and die on the same land Hindus, Christians, and Muslims who live in this land are one com, that is, one community. Unquote. But as an irony, communalism started to gain hold from the part where Sayyid Ahmed Khan counterposes himself against the national movement initiated by the National Congress. And this was because, like given the reason, Sayyid Ahmed Khan was an empire loyalist and he strongly believed that the Muslims' social and economic conditions could only improve if they get a share in the administration and this was only possible if they go on to prove their loyalty to the british empire
0: yeah uh, uh, another reason why uh, sir sayyad ahmed khan might have remained an empire loyalist or would have remained with the convention is because he also needed support from these big zamindars and the the people uh, the englishmen in order to establish his vision of the Aligarh College for Muslims. Um, but to point out that uh, Sayyid Ahmad Khan was not alone in, in this opposition when it came to the Congress, uh, or the nationalist idea, or, or nationalist politics. Along with him, there were people like uh, Shifr Rasad, who was the Raja of Bhinga and other uh, Jagirdas and Zamindas and bureaucratic elements within the empire itself who were empire loyalists and did not want to conspire or be a part of sedition against the uh, uh, against the government of India, the, the British government of India. So for this cause Sir Sayyir Ahmad Khan begins to gather people from the ranks of Jagirdas and other influential members within the Muslim community. Um, he asks them to unite for the cause of developing the social, political, intellectual, economic uh, causes or, or developing their uh, uh, their situations in these arenas for the Muslim community. And it was in this process in order to protect or reform what he believed uh, reform the Muslim community, he gradually began to lay out his communal ideas, which had a sense of basic three theme that ran among them. So if uh, one was to roughly uh, divide his ideas into three sections. The first section is he believed that if India was to become a democratic representative government, then The interest of the Hindu majority would override the interest of the Muslims because they were a minority. And he mentions that and he draws an analogy with the game of dice. He says it is uh, as if it were a game of dice where one man had four dice and the other had only one. So. He believed that the population disproportion or the factor of minority and majority would come into play when it would come to protecting the interests of the Muslim community against that of the uh, majoritarian Hindu community. The second factor or the second element was that he believed it was necessary or he emphasized that it was necessary for the Muslims to remain loyal to the British government so that the British could be retained in the land and it was only the British who could protect the interests of the Muslims. Because of these two reasons, he believed that it was important that Muslims oppose the idea which were being propagated by the Indian National Congress. He accused the Congress of being a body of caste Hindus whose major interests were against Muslim interests. Ahmed Khan and his followers began inciting these ideas in minds of Muslims. Saying that they had to oppose Indian National Congress because they were a majoritarian Hindu representative body and they would never speak for the Muslims. And based on this theme, they the the people, the followers of Ahmad Khan and Ahmad Khan himself proposed to the government that they were to be given a sense of safeguard when it comes to their role in government jobs in the legislative councils and other governmental institutions and other administrative institutions. So Sir Sayyid Ahmad Khan wanted to have a, a, a protection so that Muslims are allowed to seek jobs uh, and to enter these arenas and 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 this was to be done to protect their own interests. But what was also notable uh, is the idea that although that Sayyid Ramad Khan and his followers always projected this idea to the British government, they never really uh, aligned themselves with a political party, neither did they create a political party themselves. Um, they remained to be politically passive and they asked Muslims to not agitate against the government.
1: And to mention for a fact that like, this idea of remaining politically passive and loyal to the British remained among Muslims even after the death of Sayyid Ahmed Khan. And they openly sided with the government even during the Swadeshi movement in Bengal, in such an immense manner that anyone who would speak against the government or supported the Swadeshi movement, they would go on to term them as traitors to Islam itself. well However, this idea to keep Muslims politically passive did not work for very long because of the influential air or the influential wind of the nationalist struggles which was pertaining in the or growing in the Indian subcontinent. And the young Muslims began to actively become a part of the Congress and the numbers grew even stronger after Tayabji's presidency of the Congress in 1887. And this nationalist trend among Muslims began to symbolize that the Congress was not a communal body for Hindus only, specifically for Hindus only.
0: Yeah, um, the, those trends that you mentioned, it's quite visible that the Muslims were not able to practice political passivism, And uh, even the growing Muslim intelligentsia began to join Congress quite actively. Um, it was becoming hard even for the British government to ignore the demands that were being made uh, by the Congress. So uh, it, it began to bore down to the demands for constitutional concessions as uh, demanded by the Indian National Congress. But most interesting perhaps was the turn of trends within the Muslim communalists themselves. Um, people who had felt, you know, like I mentioned, uh, Sir Syed Ahmad Khan and his followers, who had felt the necessity to remain or to uh, remain away from politics now began to feel that they had to enter the political arena so with this wind it was in 1907 that uh, the all india muslim league or the muslim uh, the muslim league as it is popularly known as was formed uh, by a group of big zamindars and ex bureaucratic upper class muslims who were part of the uh, elite muslim society so but even when it entered the political arena the all india Mus- uh, i mean all india muslim league remained to be a loyalist but at the same time a communal and a conservative political party it, but it still retained a sense of loyalty to the british government there, there was no agenda of seeking uh, or or raising anti government or anti uh, imperialist uh, ideas within the uh, ranks of the Muslim League. So the League, given that it was a loyalist faction, supported the partition of Bengal, and it raised slogans for a separate Muslim political interest. One of its foremost demands was the demand for a separate electorate and to protect, uh, uh, you know, safeguard the Muslims when entering government services or bureaucratic administrative services. Um, You can see there is a lot of reiteration of the ideas that uh, Ahmad Khan had uh, initially proposed. But most of the activity of the Muslim League was directed towards keeping the growing Muslim intellectuals or the growing Muslim intelligentsia away from joining uh, the Indian National Congress. Uh, And it was directed towards being anti-Hindu or against the Hindus and not against the colonial regime.
1: Simultaneously, there was also a rise in Hindu communalism from the 1870s, where a growing section of Hindu zamindars, money lenders, and the middle class began to arouse anti-Muslim sentiments. And to mention for a fact, this was fueled by the colonizers' interpretation of Indian history, which was very fervently accepted by the Hindus. This interpretation, as was also talked by James Mill, mentions the tyrannical Muslim role in the medieval period and the liberating role of the British in saving the Hindus from the British oppression. This was the distorted view of the history, which was presented by the colonizers. Now, as a result of this, there were various actions that were Hindu communalists taking. For example, languages became a target of communalist fervor making, wherein they started making Urdu, the language of Muslims, and Hindi, the language of Hindus. And anti cow slaughter propaganda was taken across the country against the Muslims in the 1890s. Whereas the English were very much allowed to carry on cow slaughter in British cantonments on a very larger scale. But this acted as a, this acted oppository to, in the sense that it, you know, uh, gave rise to communal tone and hence leading to the riots. Similar to the Muslims, the Hindu communalists too carried regular agitation for a Hindu share in the legislature and government services.
0: Yeah, um, when the Punjab Hindu Mahasabha was formed in 1909, um, basing itself on the communal Hindu ideology and politics, they too directed their anger towards the Congress. They accused the Congress of trying to unite the Hindus and the Muslims as one nation, trying to appease the Muslims. Uh, one of their leaders, Lal Chand, uh, who was the, founders of, the founder of the Mahasabha, called the Congress a self-inflicted misfortune of the Hindus. So there was an aim uh, that was brought out by these, these parties such as the Hindu Mahasabha, which aimed at removing the evil of Congress from the Hindu society. They believed that they should work towards neutralizing the British government, in their fight against Muslims. So it's, it, it's a similar trend that you can see with the Muslim League as well. Uh, the Hindu Mahasabha too was a loyalist faction, uh, no anti-imperialist feelings uh, whatsoever running. And these are mostly directed uh, either towards the other communal party. In, in the case of the League, it's the Hindus. Uh, in the case of the uh, Mahasabha, it's, it's the Muslims. Or uh, and including along with them, both of them are targeting the Congress.
1: While the first session of All India Hindu Mahasabha was held in April 1915, it remained rather a sickly child as compared to the All India Muslim League. While the social, ideological, backward Muslims coupled with their weak middle class contributed to the strengthening of communal ideas, This was rather not the case when it came to the Hindus or the Parsis. And there can be major two or three reasons behind this. One one to mention for the fact that amongst them, the modern intelligentsia gave more emphasis on science, democracy, and nationalism and gained intellectual, political, social, and economic influence over people. While it was the reactionary landlords, and the religious class that continued to exercise a dominant influence on Muslims of India. And another reason for this weakness of the Hindu communalists was the very little support that was extended to them by the British government, since the government was heavily banked on providing their support to the Muslim communalism. And this was also for a fact that they could not placate both of the communalist ideologies together.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, Even one of the key instruments that actually powered the colonial government and the communalists both was the introduction of separate electorate on the basis of religion. Initially it started with separate electorate for Muslims, it was followed with separate electorate for Sikhs and even more. So, to understand the system of separate electorate right let us let us break down the system and try to understand what what the system looks like Um, under the system the muslim voters were put in separate constituencies from which only muslims could contest the election it was not just that but only muslims were allowed to vote in these constituencies so there's a muslim candidate voted only by muslims in that constituency you know, this this made the constituencies an arena for communal conflicts. Because of the system, the voter and the candidate, because both of them belong to a particular religion, the candidate who was contesting the election never really had to make an appeal to the other voters. He never really had to appeal uh, to the voters of other religion. And uh, all of this turned election into a communal competition. you know, a candidate contesting in, in say, a Muslim candidate contesting and being supported by Muslim votes would make blatant communal appeals from the voters. And they never really had to appeal to the members of other religions. This gave right, uh, rise to unrest, but also that from here on, the problems of the community, the social, political, economic problems of uh, of, of these constituencies or so on were expressed in communal terms.
1: But over a period of time, the young Muslims became disenchanted with the loyalist and anti-Hindu sentiments propagated by the upper-class leaders of Muslim League. You see, they were increasingly drawn towards modern and nationalist ideas. For example, Maulana Abdul Kalam Azad was an example of such young minds and um, orthodox scholar himself, Azad, aligned himself with the Congress. He propagated his rational and national ideas through his newspaper, Al-Halal. Even in the Muslim League, the young nationalist Muslims overshadowed the loyalists of the empire. They too, like the Congress, adopted the self-government as their initial goal and objective. Yet, unfortunately, these people held the idea of pan-Islamism over territorial nationalism with great emphasis on Muslim nationhood. But with these ideas made anti-imperialism and anti-colonialism a trend among the urban Muslims. However, in the long run, we might say it all clashed when all the political questions were being looked upon at from a religious angle.
0: Yes. Um... But that's what one does wonder about. Okay, what are the origins and the growth of communalism or communal organization? Uh, some of the answer to this questions, or some people as an answer to this question is where one often comes across the idea that the origins of one's own communalism is attributed to the existence of the other's communalism. Okay, I am a communalist in response because the other community is practicing communalism and that um, that they arrived at their own sense of communalism because it was a reaction to what the others were doing so there is this idea of the original blame okay, who first started i mean who, who were the first communalists so people have made on all sides, an effort to assign this original blame of communalism as to who was the one who started all of this. The Hindus believe that our communalism was a reaction to what the Muslims were doing and how they were becoming communalists. The Muslims say that they were doing it about because of how the Muslim com- uh, the Hindu community was reacting to to the Muslims, um, and 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 this vicious circle just keeps running with. You know, the Sikh, uh, the Hindus and the Muslims, all of them arguing that uh, they were communalist as a reaction to the other's communalism. So to decide this argument or, or to come to an, you know, to end this argument is, is impossible. It, it is as impossible as the, uh, you know, it is as impossible as answering the question, what came first, the chicken or the egg? So to try and understand the uh, rise of communalism in India and the evolution of it and how even to this day we are serving the repercussions of or or we are bearing the repercussions of what were initially seeded by these uh, communalist parties back in 1920s or the early early 20th century is something that... Uh, our society, and especially our generation, should ponder upon. and something that we should work towards uh, by means of increasing tolerance among each other and trying to uh, have a better understanding of each other's communities. Uh, and to stop looking at things or all political questions uh, as as mentioned, uh, you know, that was a result of the rise of communalism, that all political questions were beginning to be looked from a religious angle. And if we have to stop, it either has to stop with the clash of the communities or it has to stop with all of us trying to understand or stop looking at political questions through religious angles. So that brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you everyone for tuning in to our podcast. We hope you liked it. And if you did, please listen to our other episodes that cover a wide range of India's colonial past. Please consider subscribing to our podcast and sharing it with your family and friends. We are now available on all podcast listening platforms and social media sites. Your support really helps us create more amazing content for you. Don't forget to visit our website and check out more of our work. The link is in the description below. It is www.indiacolonized.com, colonized with an S. We have compiled a list of books and sources that might intrigue you to explore more on India's modern history. So don't forget to check it out. Until next time, stay safe, stay curious.